how many springs does an official bowl have in it? How many springs? It doesn't have any springs in it. Why well, does it bounce then? It's air. There's air in the ball. Well, there's air in this room. How come this room ain't bouncing? Hey everyone, this is Chris Hasekwat and you are listening to the Love Means Nothing Tennis Podcast. Guys, when I say everyone, we know this is a one-on-one conversation, okay? So be very focused. There might be a question period. I'm going to call you out. Anyway, I'm very happy right now, guys. Maybe you can hear it in my voice. I am on cloud nine right now and it's because I have a new crush. I'm in love with a female on the WTA, WTA, on the tour, a very unlikely person. You may not expect it. She's the type of person that gets ridiculed by the likes of Pam Shriver, Renee Stubbs, and Chrissy Everett. They're haters. She doesn't care what she wears on the court. She's willing to wear ruffled shoulders on her tennis dresses, even though she gets made fun of, but she brings them back. She doesn't care. She won't skip a meal, that's for sure, even if it means showing up on court 20 pounds overweight. And best of all, she does not trust Hawkeye. She is certain that her eyes are better than Hawkeye's, and she will dispute every single call, even if the camera shows it with a photo image to back it up as a different call than she believes. Her name is no other than Yelena Ostapenko. Okay, and the reason I like her so much beyond what I've just said is because she says exactly what she thinks. She just won her first match on a grass court tournament that the women are playing. Don't know which one. Don't really care. But the post-game interview on court was amazing. Let's have a listen. She's rolling her I mean, eyes. The, so cute. The biggest opening to, my, uh, to me was myself because uh, I played really well until 6 to 5 1. She didn't really do anything. She didn't change anything until that score. Then I started to fight against myself. I started to miss some balls. But I'm glad I won because, I mean, my level is way better than her today and I showed it. Yes, you did, Yelena. Yes, you did. She doesn't mince words, everyone. We need more of that. Most of the post-game interviews or press conferences, they basically could just be done by an AI bot, okay, where they go and take the last 50, 100 interviews that these players do. They know how they're going to answer it. Typical, boring answers, very robotic. You don't get that with Yelena, okay? It's always something new. Guys, I keep saying this is the entertainment industry. I want to be entertained, and she's entertaining. On the flip side, you there are people on the WTA that won't even give post-match interviews. They find it upsetting, okay? I think you know who I'm talking about. Her initials are N-O, and her first name's Naomi, and her last name's Osaka. Okay, figure it out, who this person is. So she's too nervous to give a press conference and she's willing to not even play like a Grand Slam like the French Open because she'd be forced into doing this. But a week later, she's comfortable posing in Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Come on. It doesn't add up. The hypocrisy. I can't stand hypocrisy and I'm calling hypocrisy out when I see it. Okay, that's enough about Ostapenko. 
Okay, let's move on to the two men's ATP tournaments going on right now, Halley and London. But before we get into any of the matches, can I just say something? Okay. Grass court tennis is more boring than I remember. Like, I thought grass court tennis was kind of fun because you get the dives occasionally. But you know what? The vast majority of it is just big serving, maybe a return, but most likely a miss. And then the point's over. Okay, so you get score lines like 7-6, 6-7-7-6. And from afar, you think, wow, what a great match. That must have been so fun to watch. But no, it's not fun to watch. It's just because nobody can return a freaking serve. Okay, when Diego Schwartzman serves 25 aces a match, okay, you know something's going on. I made the grave mistake of turning on her catch versus Eubanks. Okay, these guys already are big servers in their own right. Okay, neither, neither of them have any personality, at least not on court. And one of them is Pigeon Toad. I think you know who I'm talking about. Anyway, I tried watching this game for like, or this match for four or five games. I was too bored to watch anymore. And this is coming from like a big tennis fan. If I was like a moderate tennis fan and I turned that on, I don't think I'd ever watch tennis again. I know that there are some epic grass court tennis matches, some of the best matches ever. You know, we can talk about Federer versus Nadal and Wimbledon finals 2000, in 2007. But I'm talking about like 99% of grass court matches. They're pretty boring. Anyway, let's get on to the results very quickly. I don't want to dwell on it. Okay, this is just first and second round. Alcaraz, though, you know, he won in three tight sets uh, against the lucky loser. So not a great player himself. Anyway, Alcaraz admitted that he's uncomfortable on grass. It feels foreign to him. He needs to get the hang of it. You know, Alcaraz is probably going to have a grass court career similar to Nadal's. Okay. He'll win two or three Wimbledon championships, in my opinion. But it's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. It probably won't happen the year after that. It's going to take him some time, but he ultimately will have success because the guy's insanely talented. I actually saw a stat that I was a little bit surprised about. Federer actually started with a record of two wins and five losses on grass. And he was able to turn it around pretty good. He was a pretty good grass court player. So anything's possible. What else happened? Nothing too interesting. I did watch a little bit of the Zverev team match. You know, two fairly big names dressed identical in their Adidas outfits. Like, why doesn't Adidas just give them a different color pair of shorts if they know they're going to play against each other? It's kind of stupid. I think they're even wearing the same headband. For example, anyway, Zverev beat Team pretty badly. Team just can't come back from the wrist injury. It doesn't seem like it's a pretty debilitating injury. Okay, I don't know if there is a worse tennis injury other than maybe running into a tennis pole, breaking your neck and becoming a quadriplegic. That doesn't help your tennis game. James Blake attempted to do that. Um, he did break his neck, but luck, but luckily he did gain uh, motion in both his legs and his arms. What kind of footwork do you have when you literally fall into a pole and break your neck on the tennis court? He was a top 10 player. So if someone with footwork like that can become a top 10 player, then what can you become, listener? I see number one in the world in your future. 
Anyway, team and his wrist, I don't know. Oh, it sucks for him. He was on top of the world. He was playing really well. And it might be a Delpo situation, but even worse, because Delpo's injury was his non-dominant hand, so he couldn't hit a two-handed backhand. Team has a one-handed back, and we know this is his dominant wrist. So I don't know if he's ever going to get back to kind of a top 20, top 10 level. It looks more and more unlikely after every match. And then I was also a little surprised after the match because I thought he'd be pissed off and assumed he was like this, you know, ultra competitor. But after losing, I get that Zverev is his boy, but they did like a bro handshake and team was smiling. Um, Yeah, it just kind of like struck me as a little weird, you know, to be that happy after losing a match and you're trying desperately to come back from an injury. Oh, what else happened? Ah, my terrible sits a pass call. I got to, when I'm wrong, I'm willing to talk about it. Okay. I'm, I'm open individual and I know that I can be wrong at times. Not, not usually. Most commonly I'm correct, but sometimes I'm wrong. And I made this stupid sits a pass prediction because I wanted to impress people because I know nobody thought Sitsa Pass was going to win this tournament. And I thought there was a chance. So if I if I pick Sitsa Pass and he does win it, then I'm a hero. Okay? And my viewer count goes up. My my number of followers on Spotify goes up from nine follow followers to 19 followers. Okay? My life changes. Things change advertisers come streaming in. The money starts flowing. Unfortunately, I was wrong. Guys, I was right on the Manorino-Medvedev match. Let's not forget about that. That was only a couple episodes again, so I'm batting 500. You know, and speaking of men's tennis, we're missing one of the biggest servers in the game. Um, Riley Opelka is still hurt with a hip injury. I think he had surgery, which is kind of scary. He's a pretty young guy. To be getting hip surgery, he's six foot ten or six foot eleven. We all know how hard tennis is on the body of a five eleven, well proportioned person. Let alone someone that is six eleven in height. Obviously, your body's going to take a massive toll. You know, it's too bad because even though it'd be boring to watch, he'd have a lot of success on grass. Clearly, with his serve. Um. You know, I thought of Opelka because I typically really liked to hear what he had to say on Twitter. He's got a lot of opinions. I agree with the vast majority of them. He's a smart guy. You know, he he doesn't mind the trolls on Twitter. He kind of plays with them a little bit. You know, he's a fun guy to follow anyway. I noticed that he wasn't really, you know, tweeting much. I looked him up. And it seems to me like he's closed down his account or at least he suspended it for the time being. He's probably just sick of it all. I looked into a little bit more into what he's up to and this article came up and he's quoted saying, I wanted to be happier. And it says Opelka embraces art and fashion during break from tennis after being fed up with tour life. Okay, so I kind of get it. He's fed up with tour life. He's fed up with Twitter life. He's just taking a break. Um, he actually does have pretty good style. Like I've seen him in pictures where he's like Prada or Gucci out head to toe. He wears all these different brands. He's got like the long hair. He's like, he's a unique dresser. He's obviously like a creative guy who you don't really, 
you wouldn't think that because of if you just watch him play tennis, he's kind of like a serve bot. How he how he like self describes himself, but there's obviously a lot else going on there. So hopefully he gets back on tour soon. You know, there's a bunch of injuries. You know, Jack Draper is another guy I've been thinking about why he hasn't pl- been playing. You know, especially in these UK tournaments where he would, if he didn't qualify based on ranking, he would get a wild card into them. But he's obviously hurt as well. If you would have asked me at the US Open last year or the Brisbane Open before Australian Open this year, I'd say Jack Draper is a guy to watch. You know, I thought he'd be in the top, maybe probably the top 25 by now with the potential of getting into the top 10. But, um, you know, he's the kind of player that has a big serve. He's got a good all-around game, and there's a lot of room for improvement still. So that's why I, I had high expectations, but he seems to be pretty injury-plagued. Again, it's kind of the luck of the draw. You know, some of it's just hard work and building the right team around you. Other times, it's just like you're genetically inclined to get injured a lot, like me. Okay, so... I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of has a career similar to Kokonakis, where he's got a lot of talent. But like Kokonakis, of the last five years, I think he's been out for three and a half of them. And you never know when he's fully healthy. So Draper, I'm sure he'll have some good results. But, you know, I don't think his career will meet the expectations that at least I had for it, which is kind of sad. But uh, luckily, he's a good-looking guy. I think he he actually models on the side or he was modeling so he could do that jack draper is a pretty cool name uh he could be like a character in like a netflix drama show um talking about shows we've got breakpoint uh the new season or the new the second half of the first season just launched i haven't watched it yet it just launched today i know some diehards have already posted about it. it looks actually pretty entertaining i'll do a recap on uh on the show are on the shows, on, on the podcast. If they're interesting, if they're not interesting, I won't talk about them. And actually, if they're not interesting, I might even talk more about them because I love critiquing. Okay, it's like when I watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, I'm like a, a, rum, a running commentary. Okay, all I have to, I just have to talk about everything I see. Most of it is kind of making fun of people, what they say, what they're doing. But I'm also willing you know, to call them out for like good things as well. So if a guy's got like good style, if he's funny, or if a girl, if she's witty, you know, she's beautiful. Like I'll also recognize that too. I'm not just a hater. Okay. I've got another funny story about the bachelor. I'll tell you another time. Um, okay. I'm just going through my notes here. Ooh, challengers is another like movie that just came out. It's like this love triangle around tennis. Gonna have to watch that. I haven't watched the Becker documentary yet. Gotta watch. I did watch the McEnroe one a month ago. It was pretty good. I recommend it. Emma Raducanu. Okay, switching topics here. Uh, she came out saying that sometimes she wished she wished she had never won the U.S. Open. So that's kind of sad. I kind of get it. You know what I mean? She like had this like huge fast rise to the top of tennis. She became like an instant celebrity. And since then, it's been a downward spiral for her. So from a tennis perspective, I actually think that maybe there's some truth to that. You know, sometimes winning this, a big tournament like this so early in your career can sometimes hurt you. Like she said sometimes because when she thinks about it from another perspective, like the prize money, the endorsements she got, she, she probably became an instantaneous not only millionaire but worth 10 20 
million dollars, maybe more. That's when she doesn't regret winning the U.S. Open. You know, but she also like fired her coach right after winning, which I always find weird. Like right after you have the most success in your career and you finally reach new peaks, like you fire your coach. It just seems stupid to me. Okay, it'd be like Nadal firing his uncle Tony after winning his first French Open. Another person that did that was Eugenie Bouchard in 2014. If you recall, she made like three Grand Slam semifinals, including the Wimbledon final. Okay, she had like this like crazy good year in tennis. And then right after, you know, getting to the semifinals of the U.S. Open or something like that, she goes and fires her coach, Nick Saviano, who's like a well-respected coach. Okay, so I don't get it. I don't get it. you think just because you're now winning these tournaments that you need to move on to like like a Patrick Martellangelo, whatever his name is, type coach, like a celebrity coach. Like, no, you don't need to do that. It doesn't work out for the vast majority of people. Stick with what you know and what has gotten you there. Okay, that is my word of my words of advice. Okay. Now the Bouchard thing, there is another piece to it. It may not have just been the coach. We know in 2015, after a late night mixed doubles tennis match when she was playing with Nick Kyrgios. She went back in the locker room, apparently by herself. Okay, there's no camera evidence to back this up, but she went in, apparently by herself. It was pitch black. Everyone had left because it was so late at night. She was going to an ice bath for some reason after a mixed doubles match past midnight in the dark. She slipped, fell, landed on her back, hit her head, got concussed. She ended up suing like the WTA she won like that suit. I think they paid out like 75% of the claim. I don't think the amount of money was disclosed. Bet you it was a lot. But the real question I have is, was she actually alone or was Nick accompanying her? And did she hit her head because she fell or was something else going on there? Okay, I guess we'll never know. The viewer can decide for themselves. If Bedosa, you know, has hits her head in the locker room after a match, and Tsitsipas happened to be playing mixed doubles with her. I think we know what's up. Okay, I think there might be more to the story. Okay, let me go through my notes here. Estonian girl retiring. Okay, she has a name, Chris, you asshole. It's Anna Kontavit. Okay, she is, like I said, Estonian. Guys, she was number two in the world last year. Or the year before. Okay. I think it surprised everyone. I still think that there was some sort of like WTA ranking glitch. Okay. The software made an error. She was actually supposed to be 220 in the world. They they rose her to number two and they just didn't want to admit error. Okay. So they just went with it. Because I don't remember Anna ever really doing much or winning many tournaments. I don't know how she got to number two in the world. But let's just say she did fairly. Okay. Um, it's a pretty, it's pretty sad because she did play, you know, Serena in the U S open last year. Serena was like a farewell match. Nobody expected her to win. She's against the number two player. And she was like, Serena was going in as the favorite because nobody had any expectations for Contavit. So not the best number two out there, but regardless, she's number 32 in the world. Now she's only 27 and she's officially retiring from tennis because she has a disc degenerative issue or a disc slip in her lower back that really sucks i've dealt with back injuries myself and they suck so badly and it takes so much work to fix them i didn't go the surge the surgery option there's always that route it's 
usually not recommended. Anyway, I do kind of, I'm a little surprised because you are 27. You're making an amazing living doing this. Like, what is the rush in announcing your retirement? Like, just take a year for yourself. Take two years. Like, get a team around you. Like, train, work hard, recoup your injury, try to strengthen it, and see if you can make a comeback. I just don't know why, you know, it seems a little, like, rash to just go out and say, hey, I'm retiring because I have a back injury at 27. Maybe there's something else going on. Maybe she's in love. Maybe she wants to have, like, go move back to Estonia, have 10 children. Maybe that's what she's into. I don't really know. But, um, yeah, just seems like she's rushing it. Anyway, I want to ask her. I'm going to have her on my podcast and ask her. When all this hype dies down around her in a month from now, everyone's talking about her now, but in a month from now when nobody's calling her, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to lie to her. I'm going to say this is a very popular podcast. And I'm going to ask her the question of why not just take a little bit more time? Um... Guys, I think that's pretty much it. We're running fairly long. Uh, There is like this term sports washing that a friend was telling me about yesterday. I looked it up. It was pretty interesting. I never actually heard about it. Most of the viewers, you probably have. It's when a country or an individual or a group, they basically go and, you know, they, in attempt to improve their reputation, okay, they go and like host sporting events, like international sporting events, and they think like, Putting on this like event will help improve their reputation of like human rights issues, for example. Okay, so like you could say maybe in like Qatar hosting the World Cup, that was a bit of sports washing. I don't know. You know, Qatar seems like a pretty good country to me. Okay, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, there's some pretty significant human rights issues there. And but they signed Ronaldo. So they must be all good. They started live and partnered with. Mickelson and the Shark Norman. So they must be pretty good. Anyway, Russia, remember Sochi Olympics? You know, Russia is not exactly an international sweetheart these days. Kind of a cool term, kind of interesting. I uh, don't really know why I'm talking about it, but I am. Okay, this is my podcast. I get to choose what to talk about. Um, and then I kind of wanted to talk about uh, sports betting, okay, especially tennis betting i gotta get into that okay most people want to like move away from their gambling addiction because it's like torn their family apart it's resulted in bankruptcy and divorce etc not me i want to get into it i'm not ever going to uh, bet on sitsipas after his loss but um this is something i gotta do if i would have picked manorino and i would have bet on it against medvedev like i would have been rich okay what were the odds on that Anyway, I want to do a whole episode, okay, on sport, on tennis sports betting because it's actually really interesting. It's one of the most popular sports to bet on because there's so many matches in a tournament and so many different things to bet on, whether it's sets, points, etc., etc. So we'll get into that. But anyway, guys, I'm losing my voice here. Uh, this has been fun. Thank you so much for listening. I am Chris Hasekwat. You know, feel free to subscribe to the podcast. It always helps with distribution and distribution is key, everybody. That's what they tell me. Um, My Twitter handle is Chris Hasekwat. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye.